as Philip read for us this morning, and Ethan did such a fine job reading for us tonight, in the days of Jesus, people were suffering. They were suffering from sickness, and some were uh, had demons, and so indeed they were suffering. We talked about suffering this morning. And uh, just to review for just a moment, suffering is to undergo or to endure. And we often think about this as mental, physical, or emotional pain. And uh, to be discouraged is to deprive of courage or hope or confidence. And um, there are many ways in which people suffer. And uh, oftentimes we do not have a choice about this suffering. Uh, it, it may be just the things that are happening and going on. It may be sickness that we've not done anything to bring about. But as we talked about this morning, we do have a choice regarding discouragement. Let's take just a moment and review the things regarding suffering that we talked about. That it's part of God's plan for his children to suffer. We looked at Acts chapter 3, 17 and 18, that it's part of God's plan for Jesus to suffer. And that all who live godly in Christ Jesus, all of these will suffer, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. And 1 Peter 3, 17 and 4, 19, that suffering is, is part of God's plan that oftentimes he wills for you and I to suffer. Therefore, we should arm ourselves for the same purpose as Christ, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. And that we were called for this purpose, 1 Peter 2, 19 to 21. And we find also from Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and beginning of verse 6 that suffering is a testing and a refining of our faith that's more precious than gold. And therefore, we glorify and we honor God and we rejoice with inexpressible joy. Obtaining the outcome of our faith and that being salvation. So we are blessed, 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15. We're blessed when we suffer for righteousness sake. So now let's talk about discouragement just a little bit. We have a choice in how we deal with suffering. All of us suffer. Some of us are suffering more. Some have suffered less. There may be periods of time we don't suffer at all. But we all suffer, and it's up to each one of us how we deal with this. Turn with me to James chapter 1. And I want us to notice tonight that as the Lord teaches us that we deal with it in a very positive way, not negatively, not apathetically, not accusing God of anything wrong, but in a very positive and uplifting way. And as we get to the latter part of the lesson tonight, we'll talk about how God teaches us to do this. In James chapter 1, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And we talked about this testing of our faith. So we are to count it all joy when we enter into these trials and these testings of our faith. The way that we look at it as a Christian is in a way of joy because we know what it produces. 
and we'll talk more about that throughout this lesson, that it produces endurance, verse 3. In verse 4, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we count it all joy looking at the good, not focusing on the negative, not focusing on the difficulties or the, or the bad things we must endure, but focusing on the positive. We count it all joy. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 5. And here the Apostle Paul, very much stating the same thing, but in a different way. In Romans 5, beginning in verse 3, the apostle says this, And not only this, but we also exult, or your translation may say glory, exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and per perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so when we are in these difficult times and in these tribulations, that we exult and we rejoice and we glory in these, knowing the good that comes about and how in the end that it produces perseverance and character and hope, and this hope does not disappoint. So we know already it's part of God's plan to suffer. And we talked about some this morning, suggested some reasons why God has done this throughout history and for us today. And the benefits that are derived from it. And so we count it all joy. And we exult and we glory when these times come about, although they are so difficult for us. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, that when he is weak, he is strong. When he is physically weak, he is spiritually strong. And so it is knowing this, that he can rejoice and count it all joy when he has these tribulations and these persecutions and these trials and these sufferings, looking at the good and not looking at the bad, focusing on the good and not focusing on the bad. Being positive and not being negative as a child of God. Now, we can do this in a number of ways, but turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And you remember from this morning how Peter is talking so much about suffering and the fiery trials. And we glory and we rejoice and we exult knowing that we are protected by the power of God. So we know that we will not be overcome by this suffering or these persecutions or tribulations or these trials, but that we will be victorious, and we'll talk about that more throughout the lesson. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, just jumping in the middle of things. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, that salvation when Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven, that grand and glorious day. So we are protected by the power of God to come to that day, 
although it may be the will of God for us to suffer throughout this life. Verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Now remember, as we talked about this morning at great length, looking at a number of scriptures from 1 Peter, that these individuals were going through a fiery trial, that things were hard, that things were difficult. And he says we are protected by the power of God, and therefore we rejoice in this knowing that it is God at work in our life that he is protecting us, that we will not be overcome by these things, but that we will be victorious and this will provide for us an opportunity. Later he talks about in this book to teach the gospel of Christ to others as we give our defense, even in those times in which we are suffering greatly for the cause of Christ. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Although you may have these distresses now, and perhaps Peter already knowing, prophetically understanding the great trials and difficulties as John did, as Peter is so concerned with those false teachers that would come and the persecution that was already here and facing them to even be greater. He says, even though for now, if you must suffer these trials, you are protected by the power of God and therefore you rejoice in this, that you are protected by God, not that you are going through these trials now for a short time. Verse 7. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I know we read verse 7 this morning. But adding it in with verse 5 and verse 6. Yes, you have these trials and these sufferings that you must go on and endure for a short time, but you are rejoicing because you are protected by the power of God so that you come to this day when Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven and there you have glory and great exaltation. That is the day you are looking for. And therefore you can rejoice in these sufferings that last but for a short time that are bringing you about through the testing of your faith and the refining of your faith to be more precious than gold to arrive to this day when you meet Jesus Christ in the air. And therefore, looking forward to that day, we can overcome these trials and these sufferings with joy and rejoicing and exultation, knowing for what we are waiting for. And so then verse 8. And though you have not seen him, remember verse 7, he's talking about that revelation, that day when it will be revealed, when we shall see. But for now, verse 8, you have not seen him, but you love him. And though you do not see him, now you believe in him. And greatly with rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your son. So although you've not seen Jesus yet, now that day is coming, that revelation is coming, but for right now you have not seen him yet, 
You love him and you believe in him. And because of that, the end of verse 8, greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And so these trials and these sufferings that we must endure for such time, for a short time, we do so with joy and rejoicing and exultation because our joy is so great, so great that human words cannot express and these sufferings here upon the earth are not going to put it out. Our joy is greater than any trouble or any trial or any suffering of any kind that would ever come our way. Turn with me over to Numbers chapter 32. With this said, and the great joy we have that is inexpressible For one to be discouraged, to have the lack of courage, to have the lack of hope in his life, to be downtrodden to the point of despair, this is displeasing to God. God has done all that he's done in sending his son and Jesus Christ dying on the cross so that we can have this inexpressible joy. And if we take that and we ignore it, and we live in despair. This displeases God. In Numbers chapter 32, and at the beginning of this chapter is when the children of Israel were about ready to enter into the promised land. And two tribes wanted to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan and not go forward and conquer the enemies and the nations that God had commanded them. Rather, they wanted to stay where the land was beautiful and, and everything was great and life was good. And this is what is said in verse 7. Now why are you discouraging the sons of Israel from crossing over into the land which the Lord has given them? In other words, why are you being a discouragement? God was displeased with this discouragement. And so what happened? The men of war went forward across the Jordan with all the children of Israel and helped them to the very end, and then later they went back to their land on the other side. They were not to be a discouragement. They were not to stay behind and have a life of ease and all the pleasantries while their brethren went to fulfill the commandments of, the God, of God and to take the promised land as he had commanded. They were not to be a discouragement. Discouragement displeases God. Discouragement is an attitude, and attitudes are choices that we make. Whether we're going to be one who has little or no courage, one who has little or no hope, one who has little or no faith. I want to give you another illustration, and this is from Luke chapter 8, and this is from a woman I don't believe at all was discouraged, although she had been sick for 12 years. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 43. We begin reading in verse 43. And a woman 
who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone, came up behind him, that's Jesus, and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage, hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I, I was aware that the power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been made, had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 in Matthew's account through the Holy Spirit, says that the woman was suffering, suffering for 12 years with this hemorrhage. And yet she was not discouraged. She'd gone to all these physicians, and none of these physicians could heal her. But she went to the ultimate physician, and that is Jesus Christ. And she was not discouraged, not discouraged. She knew that she could go, and she could touch him, and she would be healed. She had hope. She had faith. She had courage. Then when she was found out and Jesus knew that something was happening, she was afraid, and yet she had courage to come and to confess in the presence of all that it was her who had touched. And Jesus says to her, go in peace, your faith has made you well. This woman made a choice. She made a choice to have courage. She made a choice not to give up. She made a choice to have faith in God. When we suffer as God ordains in his word, we increase in our spiritual strength, our faith, our hope, our courage. We do not become discouraged. To become discouraged is to do the opposite of what God intends there to happen when we suffer. What can we do to prevent discouragement and to suffer to the glory of God? What can we do to prevent discouragement and to suffer to the glory of God. I've got five suggestions for you, and I'll probably just go through one tonight and the other four I'll say. Go with me over to Philippians, and we will start in Philippians chapter 3. The first suggestion is to rejoice in the Lord. And, and this isn't just a one-time thing. This isn't something that we, you know, I'm suffering, I've got to rejoice in the Lord. This is an every day, every moment of every day in our thoughts, in our speech, in our actions, in everything. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul says always. And again I say rejoice. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. And, and this is at the apex of this epistle. This is the main point that he's getting across to these brethren and spends the rest of the epistle talking about it. What must we do to rejoice in the Lord? Well, well let's get the answer from Paul. Go down with me to verse 3. And we'll just, we'll just jump into the, into the middle of things here. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. 
glory in the Lord, the preposition in, of all those things associated with God. He'll have a list of them in just a little bit, a little bit later in the epistle. He says, rejoice in all of these things and do not put confidence in the flesh. He gives himself as an example there. Look at verse, at verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All those physical things, all those worldly things, I take them and I count them for loss. They're not important to me. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the suppressing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Count them just as trash to go and to take out with the trash. They're not important to me. And may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God through Christ Jesus. The things of the world did not matter. Being stoned and left for dead did not matter. Having a thorn in the flesh and praying three times to the Lord, he said, my grace is sufficient to you. Okay, Lord, that doesn't matter. Being scourged five times doesn't matter. Count it all as loss, all as being rubbish. I am pressing on. I'm forgetting the things behind. Those things which drag me down today in the physical, I don't care about. There are things that are more important in life. And so I rejoice in the Lord. I do not be dis become discouraged in the flesh. I do not become downtrodden in the flesh. I do not become apathetic in the flesh. I do not become negative in the flesh. I rejoice in the Lord. And it's all a matter of deciding how we're going to think about things. Look at verse 17 with me. Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example." And observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Rejoicing in the Lord, putting no confidence in the flesh, and observing the correct pattern, and having observed it, walking in that pattern yourself. That pattern does not include discouragement. That pattern includes courage, hope. Faith, confidence, inexpressible joy, glory, and exultation in the Lord. It does not include negativity. So Paul says, observe the pattern. Look at verses 18 and 19. For many walk of whom I 
I often told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite and whose glory is in their same, who set their minds on earthly things. They did not rejoice in the Lord. They may be negative about worldly, fleshly things, but not rejoicing in the Lord, not having joy inexpressible, not rejoicing that they have the power of God in their life so that although there may be some suffering and some struggles and some trials and some tribulations, I'm still rejoicing in the Lord with all courage, hope, and faith. Look also at verses 20 and 21. For, let's talk about Christians. We talk about these unbelievers there in 18 and 19. Let's talk about Christians. For our citizenship is in heaven from whom also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of his power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, rejoice in the Lord, Paul says again, I say rejoice. Do not become discouraged and downtrodden because you've set your mind on worldly, earthly things. Rejoice in the Lord. Let's go over to chapter 4. And beginning in verse 4. Again, Paul is repeating and emphasizing the theme. I think the theme of the whole epistle. I mean, it's what he's been working for the whole time. And now he is focusing on this as he's writing to Christians who've got so many good things happening and don't have problems like Corinth or Ephesus or other things like that. But they need to be aware of this and to focus on rejoicing. Verse 4, in the Lord always again I will say rejoice. So he says, verse 5, Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your hearts and minds. The word guard is used as a military guard. That the peace of God is standing at your heart and guarding it so that you rejoice in the Lord. Always again I say rejoice. We do not have our minds set on worldly things as those false teachers we looked at just a few verses ago. We're not drugged down and apathetic and negative and discouraged without faith and without hope. No, that's not us. Because we have this peace through prayers and supplication. As we pray with this confidence and our faith so great in God as we are protected by the grace of God, although there may be suffering here upon the earth, we're looking forward to that great and that wonderful day of the revelation of Jesus Christ when we will be revealed with him as he takes his power and transforms our humble estate to have a glorious body even as he does. So we rejoice in the Lord. In John 16, 33, Jesus said this while walking on the earth. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. I've spoken these things, and I've given you this gospel that you may have peace. 
we've got a new banner that's going to go up, Lord Willie. Hopefully this week, maybe the end of this week. It's going to replace the one that's out there right now. And, and it's got three statements, two questions and a statement. The first one is, do you want to know you're saved? It's got a picture of a Bible, a picture of a cross. The second one is, do you want the peace of God? And the third one is, the answer is in the Bible. And as Christians, we have this peace of God that surpasses understanding that the world cannot have by setting their minds on physical things, by walking according to this world. They cannot have it. Well, we as Christians, we do. And therefore, we're not discouraged. We're not negative. We're not apathetic. We are rejoicing in the Lord every moment of every day, knowing that his power protects us. And that we will be revealed with Jesus Christ in glory any moment now. Go with me to verses 8 and 9 of chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. So instead of thinking on the things of the world, we've talked about that already. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise dwell, they say think on, they say meditate, dwell on these things. Do not dwell on all of those things that discourage the world. We're not dwelling on that. We have greater things, more important things, higher things to dwell upon. Verse 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And if there's one thing we can say about the Apostle Paul, discouragement was not part of it. Yes, things got hard sometimes. Yes, there were trials. Yes, there were distresses. Yes, things were very, very difficult, but he never lost courage and always obtained his hope and his faith and his love for the Lord. If there's one you could ever say that was discouraged, maybe it was Job's wife. She said, curse God and die. Just get it over with, man. Christians, we don't do that. We always have our courage and always have our hope. Finally, a few other verses. Go with me to verse 11. Paul using himself an example here. Not that I speak from wants, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. And brethren, we have to learn to be content. Whether we're sick, whether we're well, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we're homeless, whether we got a home, Whatever it is, whatever the circumstance is, we have to learn to be content. And then we can rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse 12, I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Brethren, when we have this confidence, when we know this, understand it, believe it without any doubt, we will rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Discouragement will never be used of us. No one would ever say, he's discouraged. No, he's rejoicing in the Lord. And you know, if you're rejoicing in the Lord, there is no room for discouragement. 
There is no room for pity. There is no room for apathy or negativity. Rejoicing in the Lord. Well, I've got four other suggestions on how to avoid discouragement. I'm not saying it's easy. It's hard. Life here can be hard, and it can be trying, and it can be difficult. And especially those who are young in the faith, they're learning how to do many of these things, so they may be battling against that. But we all must learn these lessons and grow to maturity in Christ. Then as those mature people, discouragement, that's nothing, nothing of what we're about, only rejoicing in the Lord. Lord willing, we'll continue this lesson later. For now, though, get your songbooks out. We'll offer the gospel invitation and sing number 237 in just a second. Let the lower lights be burning. Indeed, as Christians, we are lights to the world. And this light is shining out according to God's will over the whole world. As us as Christians, in obedience to the word of God, we are these lights. We offer the invitation tonight, if you're not one of those lights, to become one. Again, what must you do? Simply believing in Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, changing from doing the wrong to do the right, making your confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and being baptized for the remission of your sins, you will become one of these lights. You'll be added to the church. You'll be made a Christian. You'll become a member of the family of God. Your sins will be washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can leave here tonight as one of these lights showing others the way to heaven. Whatever your need may be tonight, if we can help you in response to the gospel, won't you step to the front now as we stand and sing?